0: Back in 1987, I believe, I preached a sermon called The Three Assumptions of Faith. To simplify it a little bit, I got rid of that big long word, assumptions, and changed it to choices. And you make them every day. This is particularly designed for our youth that will be going to the youth retreat tomorrow. Because God made use of some of these verses and this simple little concept of three choices to get a hold of me in my late teenage years, so that I made choices that were different than the other guys around me that worked at the two banks that I worked at. And I'm thankful, and I hope I can share some of that with you. Heavenly Father, blessed God, I ask for the power of Pentecost, the power of your Holy Spirit, through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, to arrest hearts, apprehend minds, convert sinners, and strengthen saints that I cannot do. There is no slide, nor there is, is there any combination of words that I can utter to do the work of your Spirit. Have mercy upon us and bless us one by one, each person hearing this tonight and that would hear it and see it at a later date. Our trust is in Thee. Help us, O Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Three choices that you make every day. This is what your life looks like. And you're usually too tired, too busy, too distracted, and you have too many things going on to realize that every single day, every single choice, every single word, every single activity that you have in your life, you go through one of these doors. You've already gone through it. When you make a choice, when you utter words, and when you go do something in your life. Three choices. You choose one of the three every day. You cannot avoid making the choice because it is living. There are three ways a man can live. And you're going to live one of the three ways because there isn't a fourth option. Your choice... This choice of what door you go through determines your value. Without going through the right door, you are a worthless loser. It determines your value to God, and it determines your value to men. The only men that we care about are the men that have a sense of value, and those are God's children and those that are walking with Him. Your choice determines your happiness and success. You go through the wrong door, you are not going to be happy, and there isn't any way on earth that you can be happy. Your choice helps or ruins your life now and eternity. We don't believe that you can earn your way to heaven. But the Lord Jesus Christ would say this, and he would say it in a number of different ways in a number of different places. It is better for you to cut off your right hand and pluck out your right eye and go into life maimed, than to have that right hand and that right eye to go into hellfire for eternity. The Lord Jesus Christ taught that way because that's the truth of the gospel. And I teach that way. And that's what I'm saying tonight with this final line. Your choice helps or ruins your life now and eternity. And you can't stop it. And there isn't a fourth door. And I want every one of us to make the right choice every day. Three doors. Which door are you going to go through? If this woman here with the ugly scowling face is Jezebel, who is this man here? King Ahab. If this is King Ahab and his queen Jezebel, who is this man? Elijah the Tishbite, the prophet of God. Do you love that man? I love that man. Do you know where this woman is? She's in hell. Do you know where these people are? They're lost to God and men because they were worthless losers hanging around Ahab and Jezebel. There's only one man on that slide that is even worth pronouncing his name. He's Elijah the Tishbite. and John the Baptist came in the spirit and power of Elijah because he feared God. He believed that God is and that God is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. And He told them the way it was, that their Baal worship, which was seducing much of Israel, was wrong, and that God was going to judge them, and how that dogs would eat Jezebel, and dogs would lick the blood of Ahab out of his chariot. Do you think it might have come to pass that way? Do you? It did come to pass that way. Elijah confronted Israel this way. And Elijah came unto all the people and said, How long halt ye between two opinions? To halt is to stop moving. Why aren't you people moving anymore? Why have you stopped and why are you halting between two opinions? He confronted the whole nation, fearless, he had no ministerial association. He didn't need one. He was a man subject to like passions as we are. And I'm thankful for that statement about him in James chapter 5. Because I have a few passions. But by the grace of God, I'm thankful for three doors and God convicting me to go through the right door a long time ago and for Elijah to go through the right door. And he says to those people, How long halt ye between two opinions? That's a stupid place to be between two opinions. If, if the Lord be God, that's an opinion. If the Lord be God, follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. That's the other opinion. You've been taught, he's telling Israel that Jehovah is the true God. And you have Ahab and Jezebel and their many priests. There were 950 priests at this event. The priests of the groves and the priests and prophets of Baal—they were seducing the nation away from the belief in Jehovah. And so, there's three. There's three positions you can be in from this verse. Do you see all three? You can believe that the Lord Jehovah is God and you can follow Him. You can believe that Baal or this world's religious systems or this world's value systems are God and wise and virtuous and noble and helpful and you can follow them or you can just hang around in the middle and be an idiot. How long halt ye between two opinions? Commit yourself. And the people answered him not a word. You know, there are compromising, little selfish, lazy people that can't talk, can't commit, won't commit themselves. Elijah had a whole nation of them. They wouldn't answer him a word. He just laid before them the truth of their situation. What should they have done? Should they have jumped off their chairs and shouted out that the Lord is God, that Jehovah is God? But they didn't. Israel halted between obeying the Lord and Baal. Elijah told them, if the Lord is God, obey him. If Baal is God, then obey him. Those are your three doors. And you make the choice every single day. And let me remind you, But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. There is a reward right here. Elijah made that choice, and the Lord told him that there were 7,000 others in that great nation of a couple million people that had made that choice as well. And I hope that there is in this church a core nucleus of those good men that I referred to in my prayer and thanksgiving that are making this choice as well and will stand up, for the god of Elijah. Elijah's lesson: if Jehovah is God, then obey him and him only. If Jehovah is not God, then gorge on worldly fun. Go after Baal. Halting between these two opinions is foolish lunacy because you're not doing either one. Not man enough to make a decision? Not woman enough to make a decision? If Jehovah is not God, then go ahead and gorge yourself on what this world has to offer. Man up and declare yourself all in for the devil. Or man up and declare yourself all in for Jehovah. If the Lord Jehovah is God, follow him. If Baal is God, follow him. But how long are you going to halt between two opinions? And see, most Christians halt between two opinions. They don't commit, they don't commit themselves either way. And they never realize anything out of life except trouble, anguish, disappointment, discouragement, depression, and so forth. Because it is better to be hot or cold than to be lukewarm. It is better to man up and make either one of those decisions than to stand in the middle of it. And if you've already believed God, you've got, you've eliminated one door. You don't have a choice. Now for a third door, if you believe that there is, that the Lord Jehovah is the God of the universe. That's Elijah's lesson. So that, so that those people were confronted with the Lord's door. If the Lord is God, follow him. If Baal is God, follow him. But stop halting between young people. What is going to be the value of your life? What will be your legacy? Will God approve of you? Will other men approve of you? Will you live with contented happiness in the success that you have brought into this world and the influence that you have on others that you please God and that you please men? It is a choice you make every day with one of those doors. And you go through the door every day with every action. You can't stop it. Because either your actions are reflecting that the Lord is God, that Baal is God, or you are effeminate and can't figure out either one of the doors. This picture. Who is this? Which door did he go through? The Lord is God. These people that wouldn't answer him anything. What door did they go through? Halted. Excellent, brother. Halted between two opinions. The world over here. There's 450 of them and they have quite a rock concert going and they think they're happy as their blood's flowing all over their garments and they're very tired because they've been jumping around doing jumping jacks all day long because they've been yelling on Baal to send fire from heaven, which doesn't usually work. What door do they go through? Baal is God. They're in hell right now and they're dancing for a different reason. There's three doors. I love that man right here. He was a man subject to like passions as we are. He sat down under a juniper tree the next day after this event and said he wasn't any better than his fathers and the Lord should take his life. But the Lord loved Elijah. And he never had to die. He never had an oxygen hose in his nose because the chariots of God came down and took him to heaven. He poured 12 barrels of water around that altar that was made of how many stones? 12 stones, one for each tribe of Israel. And God dropped fire from heaven and sucked up and licked up everything, including stones, sticks, sacrifice, water, dust, everything to do with that sacrifice. That's our God. And Elijah worshipped him. Now that's about the numbers that you're going to have to deal with for the rest of your life. You're going to have to be a loner like Elijah unless the Lord blesses our church. You're going to have to be alone like Elijah because you're going to have all these lukewarm Christians around you who just can't say anything and can't commit to anything. And you're going to have all these worldings around you that you're going to meet at work on the highway and in your neighborhood that are worthless reprobates on their way to hell. Those prophets of Baal. Elijah's results with the fiery display those people said the Lord was God. now they didn't live up to it. you just got to read a little bit. why did why was Elijah so discouraged that the next day he sat down under that juniper tree and wished he was dead he didn't trust a word out of their mouths. Elijah did the right thing and he killed all of Baal's prophets. Now people that don't like violence don't like that chapter of the Bible but that's a good preacher. He killed the other 450 preachers of Baal, and there were another 400 of uh, the groves, so I guess it was 850, not 950, forgive me, for the uh, mathematical error. You do not need a fiery display, brethren. We have the Bible. Right. We don't need fire to come down from heaven because it's come down so many times, we can believe it from the Bible. You are either with You are either with the Lord God, or you are against him, and there is no middle ground. Because either way, if you say that Baal is God, you're against him. If you say that the Lord is God, but you don't do anything about it, you're against him. Why halt at all? Crucial things should be done now. This is serious business about what door we are going to go through. Let's go through the right door that the Lord, he is God, and live accordingly. We want to go through this door with the Lord. These are off limits to us. We don't want to halt between them. We don't even want to show the Lord a little bit of hesitation. When we know that we ought to do something, we ought to do it with zeal. Three choices. You choose one of three choices every day. You can't avoid it. Your choice determines your value to God and men. Your choice determines your happiness and success. Your choice determines your life now and eternity. You can't stop it. Can't avoid it. There's no fourth door. Submit to it, because that's all there is. And you go against those, and you've got God as your enemy. Those three doors, just think about those doors. Every day when you get up, what door am I going to go through today? My speech, the things that come out of my mouth, they're going to be based on what door? My actions, my thoughts, my music, my friends, what door am I going through? See, godly men don't have worldly friends, not ever. Why in the world would you waste a minute with a worldly person that you didn't have to work with? Godly men don't do it. Just read Psalm 101 verses 3 through 8 about David's attitude toward those kind of men. David was one of the great men that went through the right door. It is a matter of David's sin. He went through the right door. He confessed his sins and God forgave him and he went right through that door again. What does this represent? Can you think of a temperature? Okay, let's call this one hot. How about this one? This is cold. And this is lukewarm. Spew it out of your mouth. That temperature is called tepid or other derogatory terms because it's neither cold nor hot. And so we come to a second set of three. Still have three doors, but instead of being halting, the Lord is God, Baal is God. It's now hot, cold, lukewarm. Jesus confronted the church at Laodicea. And this is the way he talked to them. And you may be thinking that I'm a little severe tonight in my choice of words, but listen to the Lord Jesus Christ. I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would, thou wert cold or hot. So then, because thou art lukewarm, and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. That is how Jesus of Nazareth speaks to his churches. Now there's more said in these verses around this; these three verses, but they all carry the same kind of emphasis and the same bottom line. This is the Lord Jesus Christ of the Bible. We don't believe in any other Jesus. This is the Jesus of the Bible. This is how he speaks. I will spew thee out of my mouth. That is a church. Those are not his enemies. Those are not Muslims. Those are not Mormons. They're Christians. They are the church members of the church at Laodicea. Jesus told them, It would be better if you were cold. It would be better if you were hot. What Jesus cannot stand is a lukewarm Christian. That is someone that says, I believe there's a God. I believe that his son is the Lord Jesus Christ and I believe in the Bible, but doesn't live up to it. Right here. A lukewarm Christian claiming faith in God, but not living accordingly. Jesus confronted a church about that fact. And we're down, we're at three again. Three options. Jesus lesson. He's the most glorious and fearful king ever. Hot. What he meant? Sold out on fire for God and truth. That's best. That's what he wants men to be. If they're gonna, if, if they're tempted to be lukewarm, he would tell them it'd be better to be cold. Cold is an atheist friend of the lost world. Just flat out presumptuously rebellious against God. Lukewarm is world-loving, lazy Christian. That's the worst possible choice you can make of the three, according to the Lord Jesus Christ. Now the Lord Jesus Christ does not want anyone, He does not want anyone to be cold. And that is to be an enemy of His, or to be an enemy of the cross by their choice. But in comparison to being lukewarm, cold is better. Mm -hmm. Because it's consistent. If you're going to live like there isn't a God, man up and say it. There is no God. If you are not going to live a holy life, then man up and say it. Jesus Christ will spew you out of his glorious mouth. And I'll be singing his praises while he's doing it, and so will other noble brethren from Elijah and others like them. You have no idea how bad your life can actually get if you don't go through the right door. You do not have any idea. Because it can be worse than your worst imagination. What do you think the worst thing Nebuchadnezzar ever thought about? A four-chariot accident on the highway. And he would have his legs cut off. He crawled around in a field for seven years. And he was the greatest king in the world. You are dealing with the creative king of heaven. You don't even know yourself, even a fraction of what he knows you. Nebuchadnezzar was one form of humbling pain. The God of heaven can and will tear you up from the inside out if you go against his door. Uh, should we talk about Ahab and Jezebel again? After all, they were the apostle and apostles of the Church of Israel. And what happened? The venture arrow found a joint in Ahab's armor. He was killed in battle by the Lord's design, and dogs licked his blood out of that chariot. His wife Jezebel was thrown down by her servants from the third-story window and Jehu trampled her under his horse. And he went in to eat, and when he came back out, thinking, well, after all, she was a king's daughter, the king of Ethbaal. All there was was her hands and feet, because the dogs had eaten her, to fulfill the prophecy. He can, now this is pretty negative right here. This is pretty positive. The Lord Jesus Christ can and will sup with you if you truly love him. He will come in and give you a relationship that you can't have with anyone else. And it trumps all others. Hot? Cold? Or lukewarm? What are you? To be cold, I don't believe in Jesus. I don't think there is any Jesus. I don't think there's a God. I'm an atheist. I'm going to go out and feast myself in the world. To be hot? The Lord Jesus Christ is the Lord of glory and the Son of Jehovah God. I'm going to serve Him with my life and I would die at the stake for Him. Nothing else matters in comparison to Him. Lukewarm? Yeah. I believe there's a God. Yeah. I'll show up at church on Sunday. Yeah. I'll pray. Yeah. I'll read in the pulpit and then go live your own way Monday through Saturday. Three choices. You make make them all the time. You make them every day. You make them every hour. Your life is either a string of hot doors, cold doors, or lukewarm doors. And you'll give an account for every time you open the door, and you open it many times a day. Jesus results, You have never heard anything good about Laodicea, have you? You never will hear anything good about Laodicea because it flat out disappeared. They are gone and forgotten just like you will be. Be totally sold out for God, or be an atheist. Choose. But do not be lukewarm. Jesus can't stand it. It's wicked hypocrisy. You're wasting saliva and air by pronouncing His name in your mouth if you're not going to live for Him. Those doors, brethren. Those doors. Those doors. Hot. Cold lukewarm. Lord, help us go through this door right here. Keep us from these doors. Incline our hearts away from those doors, Lord. Direct us through that hot door. Enliven us. Quicken us according to thy precepts. Three choices. You choose them every day. You cannot avoid them. Your choice determines your value to God and men. Your choice determines your happiness and success. It ruins or helps your life now and in eternity. What are the three choices? There is a God. His name is Jehovah. And you live like there is one. Are you with me on that little sentence? This is option number one. This is the hot door. There is a God. And, and is what we call a coordinating conjunction because it is connecting those two clauses in a positive, supportive way. There is a God, and I will live like there is one. That is a door. That is the right door. That is the only door that works. Any other door, you are the enemy of God. Who will have the last laugh? And it will be a laugh that rings through eternity. Choose the right door. Number two, this is cold. There is no God. And, coordinating conjunction, you live like it. You live like there isn't a God. That's consistent. That's logical. That makes sense. Those are two doors. The third door is that lukewarm door. There is a God. Do you believe there's a God? Yes, I do. Do you believe His Son is Jesus Christ? Yes, I do. Do you believe the Bible? Yes, I do. But then you live like there is not a God. That is the scariest one of all. That is what the Bible preaches against the most. Because those that don't believe there's a God, did you know the apostles didn't even deal with such men? The apostles didn't care about atheists. If you were an atheist, you were so weak intellectually of observing the universe and figuring things out that you didn't deserve their time. That's why they went to synagogues where there were men that worshipped God, that worshipped the God of the Israelites, that worshipped the Lord Jehovah. But this, this point here is Terrible. It's the lukewarm position. You come to church. You pretend you're a Christian. But you don't live like there's a true God in heaven the way the Bible describes them. Young people, you're building your life story, I've been told. Like the book of Ruth. Older ones, you make a choice every day. How important will God's word be to me today? How important will godly thoughts be to me today? How about thankfulness to God? Praise to His glorious name. How will I respond when somebody offends me? Will I forgive them? Just the whole list of things that we've learned that the gospel teaches us, we make the right choice. There are no other options. You are in one of three doors. There are no other options. You choose one of these every day by which you live your life. There they are. We want to remember hot, sold out for the Lord, cold, sold out for the devil in this world, lukewarm, playing religious games, pretending you're a Christian when you're not, and the Lord considers that the worst one, and he will spew you out of his mouth. I don't want him to spew you out of his mouth. I want him to come in through an open door that you open to him, and he comes in and sups with you, and you have a relationship with him, the likes of which you cannot have with anyone else, and you have it for the rest of your life. No one can hurt you. When he is inside your door. No one can stop you when he's inside your door. These are the great men of the world that choose hot. We don't want cold or lukewarm. There is a God and live like it. These are the righteous, from Abel to Timothy. This is entirely consistent. It's based on Jehovah's existence from Hebrews 11.6. This is living for Jehovah. This is hot for Jesus Christ. Jehovah wrote the Bible, so you live by the Bible. Whatever the Bible says, that's what we do. This is David. This is Paul. This is Ruth. This is Mary in the Bible. These are the great ones. They made their first choice. They chose the hot door. They chose that the Lord, He is God. And they're the great ones. There is no God, and you live like it. These are the wicked. This is Cain, Goliath, and Judas. This is truly consistent but stupid against all facts. It's consistent. There is no God and I'm going to live like there's no God. That's consistent. Your profession is the same as your actions. It's stupid because you're ignoring all the facts. The facts of the universe are is that there is an intelligent designer behind it and he's got eternal power and a Godhead and he can annihilate you from the inside out and he can cast you into the lake of fire. This is living all out for sin and the devil without restraint to be consistent. This is being cold. You must reject the whole Bible for the Bible's about God. So you've got to throw the whole thing away. You can't believe anything in it. If you're going to be consistent with door number two, and that's being cold. This is Pharaoh. Who is the Lord that I should serve him? This is Jezebel. This is Herod that killed all the the young children trying to eradicate the newly born king of the Jews. There is a God, but don't live like it. This is the lukewarm one. They're the hypocrites. Lot was one. Demas was one. This is entirely inconsistent and naively stupid. Because you're saying there is a God, but your actions are there isn't a God. This is playing church Sunday and loving sin the rest of the time. You read the Bible, but you don't learn it, you don't obey it, and you don't care about it. You don't love it, you don't crave it, you don't meditate on it. This is Samson. These are truly the belly worshippers that Paul condemned in Romans chapter 16 and Philippians chapter 3. They're belly worshippers because they worship their bellies and what good things they can enjoy rather than enjoying God. What's the whole duty of man? To fear God and enjoy Him forever. There's God. Go through the God door. No God door. Or play both. A foolish door. Here's how the Lord put it to me when I was 19 years old. That would have been 1976. What if God is one half what the Bible says? You say, why would you? I don't know. The God of the Bible is only one What if he is only one half that the Bible exaggerates a little bit and the God of the universe is only one half what the Bible says? This is how he got me at 19. And he's more than a whole one to me. But he got me this way. What if? Do you know what I used to be paid to do? What if analyses? What if analyses? What if analyses? President comes by my office. What if prime rate does this? What will it do to our bottom line? Will I still have a job? What-if analysis? What if we lease this instead of buy it? What-if analysis? My what-if analysis. What will happen to me if God is only half of what the Bible says? He is 100% worthy of total worship without reward if he's only one half of what the Bible says. He is 100% worthy of total worship without reward if he never gives me anything. If he's only one half of what the Bible says, he is able to ruin my life painfully in this world. If he is only half of what the Bible says, he's able to send my soul to the painful lake of fire. One half. And blessed God, you know you're more than a whole. You're more than the Bible says because we couldn't bear all that is about you. You couldn't reveal it all. He is able and willing to bless me here and hereafter. if if he's only half of what the Bible says he is. Loving and obeying him is the greatest life goal ever, based on God only being half of what the Bible says about him. Let us close the choice, denying God, because it's not feasible for most hearing this. So let's get rid of a door. We're down to two. Therefore, the God of the Bible exists for everyone hearing me. If you live... If you live as if there is no God for yourself, you live for yourself and you live for the world, you are like this animal. God has an animal for you. This is what you're like. This is you. If you believe there's a God, but you live as if there is no God, you live for yourself. You live for worldly fun. You're like this animal. What am I going to pull, son? A skunk? No, the Lord's got one. This is the Lord's animal. What is it? Come on. A wild ass. We don't have any. Any on your property, Leon? No wild asses out there. This is a wild ass. It has peculiar characteristics. Does God has God made every creature with peculiar characteristics for us to learn wisdom from even little ants spiders locusts he what about this one what about two of them does that make them better two idiots in a pasture wild whos Job 6:5: Doth the wild ass? It's in the Bible about 10 to 12 times. Doth the wild ass brave when he hath grass? No, he ain't making any noise when he's got grass because he's just feeding his face. For vain man would be wise. Men think they are wise, though man be born like a wild ass's colt. Do you know that we all came into the world the same way that a wild ass's colt comes into the world? It ain't the prettiest picture in the world. Sorry, ladies. I think you all agree anyway. Wild ass. Listen, look at this passage. Who hath sent out... This is this is the book of Job, challenging Job. Who hath sent out the wild ass free? Why is this animal incapable of domestication? This is from the horse family. But it don't act like a horse. It is wild. That's why it's called a wild ass. Who hath sent out the wild ass free? Who put that inside it that it doesn't want to listen to three doors? Or who hath loosed the bands of the wild ass? It can't be held by bands. Whose house? Look at who did it. I have made the wilderness and the barren land his dwellings. He scorneth the multitude of the city. You know, horses can pull a carriage right through a downtown. He scorneth the multitude of the city, neither regardeth he the crying of the driver. Do you think you can tell him, giddy up, slow down, stop? Whoa, Nelly"? Doesn't work with a wild ass. The range of the mountains is his pasture, and he searcheth after every green thing. He's a belly worshiper! He's a wild ass! He searcheth after every green thing. What can I have fun with tonight? I don't want to read my Bible. I don't want to have devotions with my family. I don't want to pray. I don't want to go do something spiritual for anyone. What can I do to have fun tonight? After all, I deserve to have fun. So you go searching after every green thing. Wild ass. A wild ass, you, 10 to 12 times in the Bible. A wild ass used to the wilderness that snuffeth up the wind at her pleasure. They are constantly, you know what they're trying to smell? Don't say it out loud, please. Snuffing. Because they want to go sniff out the opposite sex. A wild ass. In her occasion, when she finds a male, who can turn her away? That's a rhetorical question. Can you guess at the answer? A child? Anyone? No one. In her occasion, who can turn her away? All they that seek her will not weary themselves. You don't go chasing a wild ass because you're not going to find it nor are you going to catch it. In her month, they shall find her because all they have to do is have a male and they'll find her. For they are gone up to Assyria. This is God describing his church. A wild ass alone by himself, Ephraim, his tender name for the church, hath hired lovers. It is a very swift animal. It's faster than most horses. It's exceedingly wary. It's very hard to, to, to catch it. Its disposition is intractable. It defies domestication. It travels over large areas looking for green grass and they have an insatiable appetite for mating. God compared men to the wild ass. So believe it. They are intractable. That means you can't teach them. They're unable to be taught. They're insatiable in their lusts for grass and mating. The base lusts of the flesh instead of the lust of the spirit because they don't have a spirit. They're wild asses. If you are hot, now think, if you're hot, you are far better than a wild ass. If you are cold, you are a wild ass. If you are lukewarm, you are worse than a wild ass because you have a spirit that should know better but you're acting like a wild ass. So you're worse. You say, did you work all this up just for us? No, I did it in 1987. Look at him. The Lord wants you to look at them and think something. And you know, the world uses expressions about one of those words, don't they? He's acting like, I wonder where they got that. Why don't they say he's acting like an elephant? Or he's acting like a peacock. Or he's acting, you know... What is a lukewarm Christian? It's one that's not on fire for God. But neither is he scandalously wicked. That's a lukewarm Christian. It's a Christian who loves worldly pleasures more than he loves Christ. He doesn't really get excited about Jesus Christ. This person pretends to be a Christian by attendance, but without love of Christ and Christ's people. He talks the talk, or she talks the talk, when they must, but there's no fruit in their lives they're bored and frustrated to worship with saints. That's a lukewarm Christian. They went through the wrong door. The Lord's going to spew them out of his mouth. What is a hot Christian? Spiritual things are the most important above all else. Bible reading, prayer are at or near lifetime best. You are bearing the fruit of the spirit and joyfully doing so. You're excited about it. You love Christ, you love what we had on Sunday. You serve Christ, and you want to know more about Him. You write me like people have and said, We saw you shuffling cards up there in the pulpit. I think they were your outline pages. Does that mean we get sermons 3 and 4 in this series? Well, I didn't know it was a series. Um, Do you love Christ? Sunday was a wonderful time together. You love Bible reading. You love it. You don't endure it. You love it. You love prayer, you love singing, you love preaching. That's a hot Christian. It's the guy going through this door. The God door. The I'm on fire for the Lord door. How do I get hot again? Very simple. Jesus, the one who said, I will spew you out of my mouth, gave the simple formula to Ephesus in Revelation chapter 2. Consider your situation. Step one. Repent for being a wild ass and do the first works, what people do when they're in love with the Lord. Remember, these are his words, remember from whence thou art fallen. Think back to the most joyful time you ever had with the Lord and remember how far you are fallen from that. Remember where you were, or if you were never there, where you should be spiritually. This is a very, one slide. It's it's a new one for me. Mark it on your calendars. One slide. The rules on how to get hot again. Same passage of the letter to the seven churches. Remember where you were spiritually or where you should be spiritually. Think about how far you are from where you should be as a good, hot Christian. Repent. This is number one here. This is number two. Repent fully and come totally clean with the Lord. I've been a wild ass. I've been feeding myself. I broke your commandments and they did not profit me. I perverted that which was right and it did not profit me. And you tell them, do, this is number three, do those things you once did or what lovers of Christ do. It is that simple. What do they do? They crave His Word. They crave the fellowship of others who love that Lord Jesus Christ. They crave praying and they do those things. So you remember, You repent, and you do those things. God's word to you. But without faith, it is impossible to please Him. For he that cometh to God must believe, number one, that He is, and number two, that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. This is how we please God. In my last verse, First Peter 1 Peter 1.17 And if ye call on the Father. What is that referring to? This is someone who says they believe there's a God. And if ye call on the Father. I've preached this to you a couple of times. And if ye call on the Father, you're saying that you believe that there's a God and you're calling Him your Father. What do we know about this God of the Bible? He doesn't respect anyone who without respect of persons judgeth according to every man's work. He doesn't care that you call on him. He cares about the life that you're living. He cares about the music you listen to, the friends that you have, the thoughts that you have, your fantasies, how you get along with your parents, how well you love your spouse and all the other parts of our lives. He judges according to every man's work because of this, if... See by if you call on the Father, you have gone through a door that says I believe there's a God. So one of the doors is gone. The door that says I don't believe there's a God. So you're down to two. If ye call on the Father, you have limited yourself to two doors. You either need you are either a hot Christian, or you are a lukewarm Christian. If ye call on the Father, who doesn't respect anyone, who judges everyone according to his works. Do you know how you should be living? Pass the time of your sojourning here in fear. Because he's a glorious God that we're dealing with and a wonderful Savior, and he deserves all of our lives. And he has done, for anyone to be in this room, he has arranged countless circumstances for you to be here. And I pray that he is doing things that I cannot see that are beyond my reach just by volume and intensity and slides by His Spirit. I want the future of this church, and I know where my future is going to be and my wife's future and this church's future is through that door, the hot door. And let's all go through that door and let's all help each other through that door. May the Lord bless the preaching of His Word.